Hello, and welcome to In Her Room, women writers on life, craft, and changing the world. I'm your host, Sarah Blackthorne. This week's guest is Hilary Rain, a wise woman, a mystic, a soul doula, a creative heart. Hilary Rain is all of these and more. Committed to the awakening and unfurling of women's true hearts, she writes with raw honesty of her own experiences. A teacher and mentor, guided by connected grace and the journey to Rumi's field, Hilary walks the path of darkness and light, rooted and wandering, both and. Hilary, it is so great to have you here on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is an honor. I'm really excited to sit down with you today and share conversation around writing and uh, your personal experiences, your journey, and the elements that make up who you are and that influence each aspect of your life. To start off, I'd really like to know, what is writing to you? Writing is so many things, but what the what a consistent thread through my entire life and my journey with writing has been my way of making sense of life, making sense of my journey, my emotional journey, my soul journey, the shadows that I go through, the shadow side of life, um, all of it. It's it's my way of of processing life and putting it forth and in a sense capturing it the way a photographer will catch a portrait or an image that is so moving for them writing is my way of of endeavoring to make sense of things and and to ask questions and to allow those questions and sometimes I find as I write the answers will just flow through right behind those questions and and other times I find that more questions arise, but writing is, is a very sacred tool. It's a very, it's like a talisman for me that um, enables me to put life and put, put things that I'm thinking about or going through or observing or wondering into a space that feels very safe and sacred to me and gives me freedom to be messy, be vulnerable, be tender, be wild, be um, silly, be playful, be joyful, and really explore. I call myself a wanderer, and I really find that through writing, um, I have a vehicle for that. So that would be my my quick answer. <laughs> hmm. My experience of your writing is that it is very much that that and so much more um when i when i read your words i am taken on a journey with you and i think that that takes a a really special kind of connection to words and language but also to the energy and the pulse that is creativity and the circles around us in everything that we do. 
you often write of and refer to yourself as a mystic. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little more about what that particular meaning of mystic is for you and how that influences all of the work that you do. Yes, when I write about and refer to myself as a mystic, for me, it's being one who dwells in that space of both and. It is both dark and it is light. It's not the either or. The um, It's not the, the polarized way of looking at life. It's, it's one who, for me, is willing to hold the paradoxes in both hands and allow them. Um, I call that space for me, Rumi's field. It, it's, you've probably seen it. And um, I, I share that on Instagram, on many things that I've written. And Rumi has this quote that says, and I'm, I may mingle this quote just a little, but out beyond right doing and wrong doing, there is a field. And that field is where I endeavor as a mystic to to hold my life, to hold my art, to hold my creativity and my writing and just allow the paradoxes, allow the questions, allow the light and allow the dark and not look at them inherently as good or bad and just put myself in a position of of humility and grace and willingness to learn from each. Um, That to me is 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 what my mystical life looks like and as an artist as a creative as a writer i would say that 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 field is is where everything that that i bring forth comes from hmm i do love that rumi quote it's uh i think it's a way of not just meeting others in a place of compassion and understanding, but also meeting ourselves and remembering that there is a place that is not our successes or our failures, but is something more than that and something beyond. To be able to find that compassion with ourselves, to go into that space and say, yes, I've made these choices, and yes, I have these understandings, and there is also this space for more. Absolutely. And you mentioned compassion. Compassion has been such a strong theme for me, both towards myself and also looking for ways that I can present that and put that forth for the world. Um, But being as a mystical person, Holding that compassion for myself, being both spirit and flesh, having that internal internal angst of, I have this really soft, tender side, and then I have this really fiery, you know, wandering side that I feel both rooted and home, and I also feel wandering, and I feel so far from home so many times, and so holding that that paradox within myself can be really hard. And so learning to look at 
at my life and look at myself with compassion and then hopefully radiating that outward and through my writing through the work that I do that really that's the pulse of who I am and what what everything I do comes from and is for so thank you for touching on that compassion because it really is a strong theme that I am taking up and trying to incorporate in so many ways. Mm -hmm. You have many projects and uh, strains and connections that flow in and through your work. You are the editor and creative director of Annapurna Living. And you also collaborate with Mandy Stewart and the Wild Mystics. You have a course through the Wild Mystics coming up called Blushing Wild, which is uh, something that always makes me smile when I see it come out into the world and, and hear it being created. I'd love to hear more about what that course is for you and maybe a little about how it came to be. Absolutely. Um, yes, Blushing Wild is very, very dear to my heart. And for us, we there's a little bit of backstory to how Mandy and I came to bring Blushing Wild um, together. And we started with as very a very mystical and very dark experience, a course called Into the Dark Night, which is all about the dark night of the soul. And it's very, very um, intense. It's it's dark, it's hard, it's not pretty, it's not easy. And um, that journey, it was in the dark place as we really allowed ourselves to be pressed up against what we find is either the hardest things that we've had to face in our own lives, whether that might be rejection from others or whether that might be betrayal or um, or our own choices, you know, whether we might be struggling with faith or spirituality or um, sexuality or just different elements and aspects of our own personal lives that other people may not get and other people may condemn us for or have strong opinions about and really try to control or manipulate behaviors and, and outcome in order to make it more comfortable for them. And so it was through this journey in the dark night that we realized, um, and Mandy was the first to vocalize it, the dark night is always sexual. There's always an erotic element to it. And what if we were to explore this sexual nature or this, this erotic element that is allowed and arises and that we don't shy away from as we go through that darkness. So that is is where the seed was planted. And so once we completed uh, that that journey, Blushing Wild really was the natural next step. And so everything that had started sprouting and you know going through our minds in, in the dark night, we decided to just really sit down and explore it with Blushing Wild. And so Blushing Wild is, it's playful and it's sensual. It's so sultry. And we um, have a lot of prompts that are designed to help awaken that, that nature or explore it and deepen it for those who, for whom it's already awakened. And 
we we talk about the chakras and different elements of the body and uh it's very it's very blushing <laughs> it's blushing while for a reason and and i tell you it's been such a gift to experience it with those that we've experienced with so far and also just for ourselves because it it at the core of it it's really about permission it's about permission to ask the questions permission to face the fears or the hesitations or the um, disappointments or all of the things that we may have suppressed or not felt safe to ask. We have created this container that allows everything that has previously felt unallowable within for women. Um, it's, it's a course that is designed specifically for women. So, um, through this container, we, we just, we become free. And that really is what ultimately I would say it's about is becoming free and, and becoming a home, home for ourselves, realizing that we're already home in our own bodies and our own souls, you know, with our spirits and just having a chance to explore that and explore the, the erotic nature that, that is underneath and within us. So. I think it's so important to create that space and create that container in ourselves. I know that for myself, and I think also for you and for many others, there is a deepening of our writing and of our stories when we allow for that fuller expression and that that comfort of home in our own skin and in our own bodies, bodies that have been uh, poked and prodded and pushed and pulled in a million different directions by everything and everyone around us, to have that opportunity to come into our skin completely and to tell our stories from that place of deeper integration. I... I think that's just such a critical part of our journey, particularly as women and writers, to find that space and to create that space for ourselves. Absolutely. And you would be surprised, maybe not you, but a lot of women are surprised to find that over time, as as life has happened, as relationships have happened, as years have gone by, we lose sight and we forget who we who we are really underneath all of it. We we forget even simple things like what we like. You know, when you're a child and you're sitting with your friends, you remember those questions like, "What's your favorite color? What's your favorite fruit? You know, what's your favorite song?" And and over time, I think even just those beautiful, pure, basic truths about ourselves get overshadowed by all of these things that we're supposed to be or we're told that we're supposed to feel or like and and a lot of it is about returning to that place of remembrance and um, I love how Clarissa Finkel Estes who wrote Women Who Run With the Wolves talks about remembering as the process of putting our members back together and that is Blushing Wild is definitely something that we've created to help do that um, but absolutely Mm-hmm. And speaking of coming back into our bodies and remembering 
you're also working on currently a project called Body Stories. Yes. And I think that that really comes into play here as well um, as another branch of this journey. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Body Stories makes it's such a dear project that I'm working on. I'm, I'm so excited to complete it and, and launch it. There is a quote that I have, and if it's okay, I want to read this quote that um, is actually and part of, of how I describe body stories, but it's written by Warshan Shear, and she wrote, essentially, if our secrets are secrets because we're told to be ashamed, that we must share them. There is no shame in being sad or struggling or trying to heal. We are all desperate, depraved, and sacred. We're all terrible and brilliant. I can list all the things that can make a girl want to escape her own body, but I'd rather list all the things that make me want to stay in my body and adorn it like a home, rub oils into my skin, tell it how sorry I am for trying to leave or for trying to hurt it into submission. And for me, that's exactly why I want to create body stories and why I am creating it. And the body has been, and for so for so many women and for myself, it's, a source of our deepest struggle and I would love to see it become a source of our deepest love and compassion and joy and I grew up very very conservative and the messages that I received about the body were so hurtful and devastating it was about you know the the evilness of the body and the wickedness of the body and and it's just simply not true and those messages and still shame that, you know, it still crops up. I will be the first to say it. I still struggle with it sometimes, even daily sometimes. And it's hard to admit it. And I'm learning to, to recognize that our wounds can be our deepest source of, of healing, both for ourselves and for others. And that's why for body stories, I have this concept that, if we are able to listen to our bodies and listen to all of the stories that are packed within us as writers, as creatives, as artists, then when, when we can sink down into our bones and we, when we can truly listen to our heart and listen to our gut instincts and listen to the, all of the ways that our bodies receive information, you know, through our senses, through, through our skin, through our eyes, through all of these beautiful gifts that we hold within ourselves. To me, that's that's what makes our work as writers so raw and so real and so true and relatable. And that's what gets that that me too from, from someone who reads something that we write. And that's what establishes that sense of I'm not alone. And I think as a writer... Ultimately, that's probably, it. I mean, it almost sounds too simple, but for me, I think that that's behind everything that I do is, is just to communicate that we're not alone and, and we don't have to go alone. We can, we can do this together and we can reach out and through our words, we can squeeze someone's hand and we can draw them close into an embrace and we can be tender and we can be we can rage when rage is, is called for. We can cry when we need to cry. We can, 
we can be poetry and we can be song and we can be fire and we can be moonlight and and it's all so beautiful and it's so needed and so yes that's but that is what body stories is about Mm. it's it's so important and I'm so excited that you're doing this work because we we not only need to remember where we come from and where we go but that home is always with us yes and that we always carry home yes in our skin and in our hearts and in our words and in our souls i i'd love it if you would share something that you've written for us Yes, I will. Um, and this is actually the most recent thing that I've written. And it, so it is very, it's very raw and it's very present right now. But this is something that I wrote um, about a week, a couple of weeks ago. So um, I do like to say there's a slight um, trigger. It might be triggering for some, depending on what you're going through in your personal life. But this is called Shiva. Today I need to go to the grocery store because the carrots I added to my cart 14 days ago as I wandered the aisles of Target with my husband, who was on the phone with a detective trying to gain access to his mother's house and another state to see if she was still alive, have gone bad. I need carrots to make a salad because 10 plus days of tiny towns filled with churches and trailer homes, dollar generals and subways, Junkyards and faded dreams still hurt on my insides, and even though I picked out the velvety, buttery lettuce leaves that were still good, the cucumber was mushy, and the olives were shriveled in the can. And I want an avocado this time, a good one, perfectly ripe and sprinkled with pepper, because I know that with a delicious, creamy bite of green, my cells will start to perk up, like the trailing leaves of my Senecio radicans, which went too long without water, as I sat in a motel for days and sobbed with a drizzly sky. Outside my room with a view, a Taco Bell sign insisted on glowing purple and white through the rain, through the ice, through the sleet and snow, through the whipping wild winds, through the curtains I kept pulling tight around my window as we slept, because our bodies make us sometimes. They shut us down when we'd rather keep just trudging our labyrinths of grief. Bodies are an intriguing thing. I swear the 15 new gray strands of hair above my husband's right ear were not there 14 days ago. That our eyes themselves have seen the purple, gray, black, bruise of death, and how can our clear blues hold it? So we took all we have seen into plum-colored pockets beneath our lower lashes, that spot made hollow just for this. And the heart trudges on, collapsing and filling just like lungs do, when all of a sudden it's too much and you can't breathe. And the body makes you gulp air because you are still alive. And of course you must do this. You must, if only for all the ones who cannot. There is nothing deeper than the intimacy of grief. It is more intimate than sex even. That sultry pressing of salt-soaked bodies, thrumming and panting, wet with hunger and alive. There is nothing more intimate than witnessing the shiva of penance the way the body tangles itself into knots tucked into the curve of the neck, 
or hidden like a golf ball beneath the shoulder blade. The way the body stoops and sags and falls, yet still carries on in rhythm and shock, going through motions required of you when the voice on the other end of the line says the word autopsy, and it just might break the spell. Almost, because really, each day's helping of mundane and surreal endlessly unfolding like a pack of tissues that are all wrapped around each other. How do you escape the spell of that? Here, just hold the bag. I'll empty the fridge. Mundane, surreal. Replacing a burned out light bulb above the garage door. Mundane, surreal. Selecting an urn from Amazon Prime to ensure next day delivery to the middle of nowhere. Mundane, surreal. Calling to reconnect the electricity, which had been disconnected for non-payment because, well, how can you pay your bills when you're dead? Mundane, surreal. Calling to have the guy who shut off the water because the woman who lay dead on her floor in her house at the top of the hill couldn't make a payment on time to come turn it back on so we could then clean up the house at the top of the hill. Mundane and surreal. And then... The wake of rage, mine, towards someone who would go and do this, leave life and leave life with us, the remains of it tucked into bags and boxes and closets stuffed with papers and stupid shit that all reeks of Sonomas and air fresheners and clings to my hair, my body, the inside of my car and my man, towards this woman who once told me that she hadn't drank water in 17 years, who birthed my love and left him with piles of clutter, the hardest decisions to make and growing gray-headed loss. 10 days ago, he gathered up the pink towel, the detective or coroner or someone grabbed off the door of her bathroom shower and placed down to soak up the carpet where she lay for two months in another state alone, like no mother should ever have to do. And he stuffed it into a big black garbage bag like no son should ever have to do. Today, he writes the obituary for his mother and sends it to me. Any ideas on this? Today I write a list, candles, get pictures for the service. We need body wash. I will get him the lavender plant he wanted from Trader Joe's, and I will walk the aisles in a labyrinth of rage and tenderness and grief, like after we watched the funeral director slip her death-bruised body into a healing womb of fire and sat beside her for a little while, outside the room, as she burned. And then we walked the aisles of Lowe's in northern Arkansas, and men in red vests asked, finding everything okay? And helpful tones, with smiles, while we waited for her ashes to cool and looked for a mantle to hold her. Mundane, surreal. Today I will make a salad filled with every color. Rich velvet kale green, carrots the shade of a warm evening sun, sweet butter lettuce and avocados the color of spring. Crisp purple slices of cabbage, nuts the color of earth on the side, I will add some juicy raspberries because they are my favorite and blueberries for him. I will taste life. I will feed my husband life. What else is there? Mm. Thank you. Thank you. I'm curious if you, as a woman who lives Uh, deeply connected and a very spiritual journey. I'm wondering if you have any creative habits or personal rituals around creating 
that you would share with us? I, I do actually. And I allow myself to be present in the moment. So when I say that I have this, these rituals, it, it may not happen each time, but, um, what, what tends to happen the most, most often is before I begin to create, before I sit down to write, I love the, the very intentional and contemplative act of lighting a candle or lighting incense. And for me, it's, it's reverent in the sense of, it's like a call to prayer and lighting that candle or lighting that incense, you know, bringing myself to it, bringing flame to it, fire. And, and that simple sacred action is my way of saying, here I am and opening myself up to the universe, to God, to spirit, to allow that creativity and, and whatever the words might, whatever words want to come through me, whatever art wants to come through me, whatever um, creativity and whatever form it is, it's it by lighting that candle or lighting that incense. It's, it's, it's my version of clocking in, so to speak as well. So I would say that that would be something I do pretty consistently um, before I write or before I create. Hmm. And of course, coffee every morning, but that, <laughs> of course I um I love that you mentioned the act of bringing flame to it um I think there's a a really important metaphor in that um bringing a spark and and bringing that intention so tangibly in a flame and and whether it's striking a match or striking the flint of a lighter to say, this is what I'm doing right now. Yes, it, it carves that space. It creates that container. And it, it it's it's psychological as well because it it's it's so embodied. And that's what I love about it. Just like you mentioned, it's bringing bringing that flame to it and it's and bringing the self to it and bringing the soul. And it's, it's also psychological in the sense of now I can begin. And I like to, to stay open to the flow, however it may look. So yes, I, I do have little notebooks everywhere. So, that, you know, it might be my purse and maybe at the grocery store and something comes to me and I pull out of something and just start writing right there. Or I may be driving and I'll turn on the voice memo app tuck my phone in the little console of my car and I'll just start talking and recording myself. And, and so creativity, I love that it can come anytime unbidden. And I love to make sure that I'm prepared because it can be so fleeting. Um, but as far as that, that intentional embodied act, it, it, I, I'm a Sagittarius and I am a fire sign and bringing that flame and showing up in that way and being present, it, it honors the process in a way that is really rewarding, I think. So um, thank you for letting me share that. Mm -hmm. Another element of your work in the world is as a soul doula. 
and your mentoring. And I'd love to hear more about how that phrase, soul doula, came to be and what it means for you. Yes, I love, thank you for this question. I love this question. I love the concept of a doula. And as one who has had a very intriguing path with, you know, I've, I've, I love the idea of being a mother and I'm not a mother and don't know that I will ever physically bear children, but I love that in addition to, to having that maternal nature within me, I love more than anything, the idea of sitting in that holy space as life begins. And to be a doula is for me being one who sits alongside someone who is doing the the labor, who is, is raw, who is bleeding, who is crying, who is, who is experiencing all of the, the emotions and all of the, the embodied sensations of giving birth, the darkness of it, the salt of it, the sweat of it, the, the, the fear and the rage and the wildness of it. And, and witnessing, being a witness to that and being right there with a soft washcloth and a tender hand and a mirror just to be able to say, look how amazing you are. You are doing this. You are bringing forth life. And so for me, being a soul doula as a mentor is coming alongside others in that that heavy, dark season of whatever it is that they might be going through. It It tends to be involving creativity or spirituality or body story, body work and body stories. Um, but being able to come alongside and just be that witness, be the one who holds the mirror, who offers that tenderness, who asks the questions to help them dig into the answers that they hold deep within. That is what the term soul doula means for me. And that is what is such an honor for me as a witness for other people, for, for their journeys for their stories, for their labor, for the life that they bring forth. That's, that's hands down. It's brings me so much joy and so much life. And that's what it is. I, you know, the women that I work with are hungry for that. They are ready to live awakened lives to, to move through, move through the shame and move through the old stories, move through the old myths that, that we tell ourselves the, that hold us back or that we, that we end up believing without realizing that we believe, but that ultimately don't serve our lives or serve our purpose. And, and just coming alongside and holding that space, that for me is the work of, of a soul doula. And it's very intimate. It's very sacred to me. It's very, it's, it's a holy space. I, the birthing room is the holiest space of all, I believe. And, and my work as a soul doula is, that's how I, that's how I come to it. That's the, the way I perceive this work. Mm. That's beautiful. I think that is, speaks so clearly to the ways that you come forward in the world and the ways that that others interact with you is very much that presence, that steady presence and 
with all of that profound wisdom that comes through both mysticism and paying attention. And I love that you offer this opportunity to women who are ready to show up, but still might need someone to sit beside them for a while. To me, that there is nothing more comforting than having someone sitting beside us through our darkest nights and through our heaviest journeys. And, and that is, I think for me, that is my highest work. And I really appreciate the way that you've, that you, that you see that and that you've responded to that. I, it's, it is very sacred. So thank you. I'm curious about the best advice you've ever received. It's really hard to narrow that down because I've, I have been given much wisdom throughout my life. I would say that the first one that, that comes to mind that I just needed because of my own personal history, my own personal path was to trust my own heart and to trust my intuition and, and to trust myself. But I would say the one that, in addition to that, that serves me the most with my writing and my creativity is to create what I most need to find. And that has been the guiding, the guiding beacon behind everything that I bring forth. It is, it is creating what I would want to read. It would be creating the e-course that I would want to take. It would be creating what it is that I personally need. And so I would say the best advice would be to create what you most need to find. And that's, that's what I, I live by creatively and it's, and it's served me very well. I think that's so important for us to remember as well, that whatever we are creating, whether it's an e-course or a painting or writing a book that if we ourselves would not want to enjoy it or partake of it, then why are we putting our creative energy into that? Exactly. And, and the people that are reading mm-hmm. can, genuine, can generally tell as well, if, if you're not bringing your full self to the it's it's when you are noticing what it is that you most need. And when you are, basically creating your, your, the answers to your own questions, um, that, that truth that you are bringing forth is what resonates most with, with those who read. I truly believe that. And one way that I explain this concept is through the idea of a children's book that, that you may have read when you were little. And I definitely, it's one that I loved and it was called Harold and the Purple Crayon. And (laughs) I, what I love about that story is that Harold took his purple crayon and he created everything that he wanted to see. He wanted to see a path and he drew his own path. He wanted to see windows and he drew his own window and he wanted to see a moon outside of his window and he drew a moon outside his window. And that was, that was what he needed. And, and so in a simple way, that's, that's how I describe what this looks like in a very practical, simple way. I think that's a great, I think that's a great reference point. Um, I 
as an adult, have purchased myself several copies of Harold and the Purple Crayon because I keep giving them away to people who need to be reminded of the power of a purple crayon and the power of our own creative minds. So I love that. I am personally very in touch and um, inspired and heartwarmed by that as a metaphor because it's true. Absolutely. So from here on out, that's, that's what we're doing. We're creating moons outside our windows. I love it. I would love to give you a chance to share with listeners directly a piece of your own wisdom to speak to the heart of anyone who might be hearing this podcast and our conversation um, to invite them into the circle. Such an honor. And I feel very humbled because I am, everything that I do is, is a work in progress and, you know, I, I make it up as I go. I learn something new every day. And so I'm very humbled by this request. And so I would, I will come back to what I continue to, the path that I continue to follow for myself. And, and so that is what I will share. And so for me, it really, especially as a writer, all about finding your own voice and following your own heart and listening to your soul voice and really inviting your soul to become fully embodied in your body and in yourself and in, in your home and in your world, however she chooses to. And, and just know that you can find truth within your body. You can find truth in your intuition and you can find truth in your tears. And I think that following each of these elements will inform and deepen everything that you bring to the world um, and whether it's to the world at large or, or even to your own secret worlds, you know, as you write in your journal or as you share with th those closest to you, um, just stay, stay true to your own voice and, and invite your voice to come forth. And there are so many times that, that I, I'm surprised what, what comes out things that I don't even expect. I can sit down and, and start writing one thing. And by the end, I'm in tears and writing something completely different. And it's, if we're able to be present with ourselves, despite any discomfort, being willing to be in that place of, of feeling uncomfortable and inviting ourselves to show up anyway, I think that that is where we really show up brightest in the world. And that's when we start to, when our voices start to resonate with others and um, it, it's a work in progress. I do this. I have to do this fresh, brand new every day. And um, it's, it's, it's very simple, but it's very powerful. And it, so if there's anything that I would leave and, and want to share right now, it'd just be that, you know, follow your voice, follow your heart, follow your soul, trust your body, trust your intuition Trust the stories that are inside you. Trust, trust what your body is crying out for. Trust your hunger. Trust your cravings and your longings. And, and allow yourself to dwell in those places. Bring yourself to Rumi's field. Look at everything through, through the both and 
concept of of dark and light, of of mystery and all that you know, and and so much of our work as a writer is is moving through mystery and and trying to reconcile it in our everyday lives. So that's what I would that's what I would that would be my sermon. <laughs> hmm. Thank you. Hillary, it has been so wonderful to have this conversation with you today and talk about life and writing and creativity and the mystic path. I'm so grateful that you said yes and are here with us. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a pleasure. And if listeners want to learn more about you and your work, they can find you at your website. Yes. At hillaryrain.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Sarah. You have been listening to In Her Room, women writers on life, craft, and changing the world. For more information about this and all of our episodes, please visit in-her-room.com. I'm Sarah Blackthorne. Thank you for listening. <laughs>